Hello everyone, and welcome to C-View Quantum Network. I'm your presenter, Daniel, and I'm here with producer Claudia Pareco. We are cosmic beings, beings of light. A moment of your time is one of the most extraordinary gifts we could ever be given. We are honored every time we've received a moment of your time. We are honored, privileged, and humbled. We serve in your presence. Our shows are held on Mondays and Fridays at 12 p.m. Eastern U.S. Time, 9 a.m. Pacific. At any moment to participate on our shows, please call 805-830-8344 and press 1 to talk with the host. All podcasts are easily found in all social media and are available free, live, or on demand. To request a show, please write to Claudia Pareco at cview1111 at gmail.com or visit our website, cview1111.net. Now, let's listen to our host and topic of the day. Danny and welcome everybody to see you. Today we have spiritual progression with Sati Chapel. We are having the conversation on the chakras and the Kundalini energies. Have you ever wondered what forms the actual chakras and Kundalini? Most of us have no idea. We just take it for granted that chakras do exist. Okay. But what comprises them? Where do they actually come from energetically and in the body? How does the Kundalini really come into play? What's the purpose of this system? And finally, what can we do each day to support this system and our deep spiritual growth? These and many other questions will be answered through the show today with Sati Chappelle. Remember, she's much more than that. She's also a psychic reader, spiritual teacher, full trans channel, past life expert, lecturer, counselor, manifester, and much more. If you want to contact her outside of their show, please go to www.bsinbrian.com. M as in Mary, S as in Sam, progression.com. And find her services. You might want a reading, um, a sacred tarot reading, a reading based on your soul's path, a reading about your karmic trends, or a, a multi-life reading. I can recommend Sadie. In all of she does, she can help you really find the right answer for you. But now let's bring Sati to the show and learn a little bit about the chakras and the Kundalini. Hey, Sati. Hey, darling. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. What about yourself? I am so happy. This is such a wonderful time of life and time of year. It's always my favorite, maybe because my birthday is in October, but I don't know. Coming from summer into fall, I'm always just so happy to be here in this moment. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. I love when the um, when, when summer is ending and now we're starting to be enter fall, and then of course, to me, my favorite uh, season of the year is fall. Is fall the changing of the leaves, the cooler temperatures, and then the stillness of winter. Uh, I don't know. Well, each each of the seasons has its uh, beautiful things and. And it makes me think of the colors. And one of the things that I uh, remember when I started learning about the chakras is how fascinating that they are related with colors, with the colors of the rainbow. It, it makes me feel like we're talking about nature. I love that you put that together that way. 
Um, <laughs> absolutely, it is nature. It is it is the entirety of nature. And you know, as they say, as above, so below. Everything is represented or presented in the same form in which they exist, um, maybe with a little bit of difference here or there or shifts here or there, but from a functionality standpoint, um, as above, so below works very well from, from that level. Hopefully I said that clearly. Yes, you did. <laughs> it's not always easy trying to put big topics into a little tiny nutshell, you know? <laughs> Well, um, please go ahead. I just wanted to make sure that people that are listening know that you're going to answer questions as well. So we're going to leave um, a space between the conversation for callers. So you let me know when you feel it's time to answer one of the callers, and then we continue with the conversation. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yes, I definitely want to be able to speak with um, our callers in regards to any of the subjects that I bring up today because quite frankly I'm going to bring up uh, quite a few. So one of the things that I wanted to do is to kind of talk a little bit about um, the chakras from an overview perspective. Um, there's a woman out there named Liz Simpson who made a lovely book about the chakras um, and she refers to them as seven maps of consciousness. And I really like that concept because each time you access a chakra and you really study it and, and you look at it inside and out, energetically and in all of the ways in which it might manifest, you have the opportunity to really access, let's say, one level of consciousness with that specific chakra. And if you start at the bottom and you work your way up, you find that each map leads to the next in a very specific, very sequential order and awakens you in a very sequential manner um, to a form of consciousness that you can't get if you skip over the, some of these steps um, or some of these chakras. And there are so many people out there that really um, want to get to what I call the good stuff. They want to go to like the third eye chakra, the one that's situated in the forehead, because that's where you have dreams and visions and psychic experiences and, and all of these otherworldly, let's say, uh, paranormal experiences. Um, and so they want to like just jump right there. But they haven't built a foundation, and they haven't come to understand themselves through the process of each phase of consciousness, each chakra. So by the time they get there, maybe they do have some of those experiences, but in which context are they going to put them? How is it going to support who they are, where they're going, and the enfoldment of self if they skip some of these other steps? So it's really important to look at these chakras as a map. And these, this concept of the seven maps of consciousness, I absolutely love it. So now I'm going to back up. Um, and I'm going to start kind of at the beginning, and I want to give an overview. Most people come into some kind of a experience or an introduction to the chakras as if they are already existing, they're already sitting there, shedding their light, shining brightly, which they are, but they never are taught or rarely are taught, you know, what are these chakras? They'll be taught, oh, they're swirling forms of energy or they're colored forms of energy and they exist in this part of the body or that part of the body, but that's all true. Absolutely. But where does the energy come from? What is that energy? Why do we even have it? So these are some of the things that I want to kind of take a step back a little bit and, and look at some of these in a brief overview. 
if you are to take the notion of prana and start there, you have a good basic understanding of what the chakras are. Those of you out there that uh, go to yoga will have heard the word prana, but this is not strictly a word that applies to yogis or to those that do yoga or practice yoga. It actuality is a universal energy, a divine energy. It is literally the life force. It's pure consciousness. You know, in, in, the, in the movies, for those of you that really enjoyed Star Wars like I did, um, it is the force. So if you take it from that perspective of Star Wars, just for example, it's this all-pervading force that creates everything, the life force energy. Shakti, that's another yogic word. Shakti can be considered pure power, or it can be considered divine power, or, you know, we can put a lot of different um, definitions to it. But again, these are similar in nature. You could say that Shakti is the very basic. Prana can be the expression of that Shakti, or you could say that it is the prevalence of, because it goes everywhere. In every rock, like Yoda says, in every rock, in every tree, in every bit of soil, in the air that you breathe, all of the energy that comprises or makes up your body, everything that runs the neurons in the brain and actually allows you to have consciousness of any level, all of that is run by, geared by, supported by, set up by, um, and permeated by Shakti or Prana. So Prana now looking at it from this level of energy purely. Prana sets up, let's say, the matrix of the universe, of this world that you exist in, and of your physical body. We all take for granted that we are quote-unquote energetic beings. There are some of us that still are not awake to that fact yet. That's okay. They will awaken just as you did, just as I did, just as others before us did. But to understand that energy comprises everything, without energy, there is literally nothing. That's one of the big things to consider first off. The second thing to consider is how does this energy flow? Now we're taking Shakti which is this generalization energy in, let's say, a divine form or a, a very powerful form, and we're giving it movement. That is prana. Okay, so we understand that air flows. Um, unfortunately, we had a really uh, enormous uh, visual of that with the hurricane um, Dorian that recently passed through. So we can see that air flows. Sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes it flows in a big way, sometimes in a positive way, sometimes in a destructive way. Prana is not destructive in any way, but it does flow, and it flows similarly. There are then currents, let's say, lines of flow. When you look at the earth, you think of it as a big ball of inert uh, rock, let's say, um, fired at the core with, with heat and, and molten lava and fire. And that's really basic primitive look of it, but accurate to some extent. Yet there is still energy that's flowing through that rock. We may not be able to perceive it, and we may not really understand it, but it's there. So let's call it that energy, prana. And let's say that there is a, a general overall prana that exists in all things, 
like the Force from Star Wars. And then there is prana that is in full movement and is channeled through or directed through lines of energy, lines of flow. In the earth, we might call these ley lines, fire lines, water lines, um, earth lines. There's, there's so many different names for this. I'm getting ready to head to Ireland um, in about a week and maybe a little over. And I'm going to go to many sacred sites. And one of the things I'm going to do is work with the ley lines, these lines of energy, these lines of flow, through which prana flows all of the time, helping to keep the earth alive. Well, you also have this. Now, on the physical body level, we look at this as um, the nervous system, right? You have the central nervous system, and that branches out, and then you have the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. You have the neurons in the brain. You have all of these different, let's say, avenues through which energy flows. And prana is exactly like this. If you have a physical body that has these energy lines of flow, this nervous system. You also then have to have an energetic one. If you really are a spirit and a body, if you're just a hunk of flesh wandering around the earth, trying to eke out a, a life, then maybe not so much. But, you know, all beings actually have this. It's just whether they're aware of it or not. So you might want to equate this physical nervous system to a esoteric nervous system, which are comprised of what is termed nadis, N-A-D-I. And then we put an S on the end to pluralize. A nadi is, again, this line of flow. Now, there's supposed to be gazillion of these nadis all throughout the body and, you know, the interconnecting all of these subtle bodies and all of the chakras together. And from a lot of uh, ancient texts, we learn there's like 72,000. I kind of have a hard time wrapping my head around that. So I go to the main 14. And then sometimes even that's a little like, poof. So I go to the main three, and the main three are written of everywhere. This is the Ida, the Pingala, and the Sushumna. The Sushumna being the main one, this is the one that runs up the spine. This is the one that fuels and carries the energy of the Kundalini. But I'm getting ahead of myself. And I'm going to be taking some questions here in a moment or two. But let's finish with this thought for just a moment. If you have these knotty lines, like the ley lines of the earth, like the nervous system of the physical body, that help carry energy throughout the body, they flow in specific directions. And just like a highway system out in the world, out in your state, in your city in which you live, there's going to be places where these highways or roads interconnect. You're going to have that same equivalent also because some of them are going to be a little street or a little avenue, and some of them will be these big, gigantic highway systems. The little street would be a smaller, naughty, maybe one of the more, let's say, obscure ones that you've not ever heard of. Whereas the highway systems will be more of the Ida, the Pingala, and the Sushumna. Now, before we get too much into those three, I want to talk just a little bit about these intersections. Where these intersections combine, let's say, two to four of these intersections. And most sources say two or three. But from my experience, I see it more as two to four, where these lines, two or four lines or knotty lines, come together in an intersection. That is where is formed what's called a marma point. I know I'm giving you a lot of things, a lot of terms, but 
This helps you to understand the chakra system because these marmas are acupuncture points, acupressure points. Are you seeing how all of this is coming together now? And these points are, let's say, smaller chakras. They're chakras on a smaller scale. They're not the bigger ones that we know of. So while most of us are aware of the seven chakra system and some of us are aware of a nine chakra system and some a 12 chakra system and more, you can see that it's these bigger ones and these smaller ones, kind of like the highways, little tiny avenues or alleys or big giant highway systems that make a difference. Where they go, what kind of energy they hold, what the purpose of that energy is. This is all a science. And there are people uh, that have dedicated their entire lives to researching, to understanding, to learning about all of these different lines. And quite frankly, I have not, I can't count myself among those people. I can say that I am a novice in that regard, in which I understand this overall picture that I'm attempting to present today. And I can speak on it to some degree. I can speak about the 14 nadis, not that I want to today because it's just way too much, way too confusing. And I really don't want to focus our attention there. But in order to understand the chakra system, it's good to kind of look up some of these things and to start to put things together because it really makes a clear uh, understanding and a clear perspective of how all of this works. So now to finalize here before I take some questions, when three to, let's say, eight, six or eight, in most sources, it's three to six lines. Again, I see it more in a derivative of three to eight lines of nadis or energy lines. Where they intersect, there you have a chakra. So now we can kind of almost put this on like the different levels of stars that are drawn um, geometrically. You have, you know, a four-pointed star and a five-pointed star and a six-pointed star and a seven-pointed star, eight-pointed star, whatever. If you look at these as each line of the star as one of those knotty lines that come together in the center, you can see how some of these are going to make smaller little energy centers like marmas that are great acupuncture, acupressure points, just to repeat myself so, so that you get that in your head, and or the larger stars with more points carrying these or creating these chakras. Now, all of a sudden, this concept of chakra becomes something that is living, that's not so magical it becomes more real, more understandable, more clear, and you can see how they can become powerful vortexes or powerful tubes of energy. And I want to kind of give you that idea in, in conclusion before we take our first caller, because some people see these as swirling and moving. Sometimes they do that. Sometimes they swirl in a clockwise, sometimes in a counterclockwise. Sometimes they come across um, as more like tubes of energy or disks of what I'm going to say quiescent energy, meaning that the energy is kind of still. And it all depends on who you are, what you're working with, and how much energy is flowing through the specific knotty lines that comprise that specific chakra. I hope all of that makes sense. We're going to build on things from there. How is that, Miss Claudia? That is beautiful and very, um, yeah, very pertinent to the question that I have. I have a Graciela on WhatsApp, and she is asking the question, I use my pendulum to see the direction of where my chakras are turning and all of my chakras are going one direction and it's only one that is going a different direction. Does that mean that chakra needs to be turned to the other side? 
I love this question. So one of the ologies I study, I love studying. I'm sure you can tell that by now. But one of the ologies I love studying is um, astrology. And then, of course, its counterpart, astronomy. And when we look at astronomy, we notice that, coincidentally, there are eight or nine, depending upon whom you speak to, planets in our system, including the sun. I find that coincidental since, really, honestly, most folks understand the seven chakra system, but it's the nine chakra system that really makes everything work. And I find that fascinating. Same number of chakras as planets in the sky. And when you look at these planets, not all of them turn in the same direction. The majority of them do. Nine-tenths of them go clockwise, and one or two, and I'm, I'm going to toss in some of the moons here, let's say, go the other way. So it's, and, and when I toss in moons that go the opposite, the counterclockwise direction, boy, then I can really throw a whole lot of them at you. There's, there's a bunch of them out there. And, you know, astronomers will talk about how some of these were collided with and they were pushed into um, the opposite flow direction. But in um, the study of the chakras, we understand that each chakra operates, yes, independently, but also on a whole. So for our friend, I'm sorry, what was her name again, please? Graciela. Thanks, Graciela. Oh, that's such a beautiful name. I love that. For our friend Graciela, um, it comes across to me that the one chakra that is going the opposite direction is doing so at this point in time to help with the flow of the system of all of her chakras overall almost like it's feeding energy back down through so that it can all rise again. And um, I don't always say that. Oftentimes when, you know, people come to me, I'll say, oh, yeah, you know what? You need to shift it around. But for her specifically, it needs to stay how it is. Now, I'm going to put a caveat on that. And I'm going to say that about three years from now, she's going to find that it's going to want to shift. And it's going to come to this place where it doesn't look like it's turning anymore, almost like it's come to that quiescent place, that place of quietude and, and no movement, or it doesn't look like it's moving. That's great. That's going to be a great indicator for her that she knows that it's time to start flowing the opposite direction from how it has been flowing and to work with the rest of the chakras per their flow, to tell her not to worry about it. But I love that question. Awesome question. Do we have any Thank other questions? Yeah, we have. Um, let's bring Laura. She's in California. Laura? Hello, Laura. Hello, Laura. Can you hear us? Okay, so then um, while she comes back, we have a, uh, another one in the chat room, and her name is Sandia, and she is in the island of Mauritius, and her date of birth is 8-8, and she says, um, where in my chakra system can I find a blockage that is preventing me to manifest love in my life? Wow, that's a wonderful question. Normally, most folks would say in the heart chakra, but that is not true. This is in her second chakra. So one of the things that I like to teach when I'm actually giving in-depth studies, which obviously our time together today is not going to be that, um, way. this is like such an enormous subject, all of these subjects. I could spend an hour on just prana alone. But um, one of the things I like to talk about is chakra pairing, because these chakras do work in pairs. And um, in this case, 
specifically the second chakra, the Svadhisthana, and the Anahatta, which is the fourth chakra. These two work together. And um, let us say that for her, the, the blockage, and I don't really perceive it so much as a blockage. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But the blockage exists in the second chakra. So um, I don't perceive it as a blockage. What I perceive it as is a misperception. She has a misperception around love. She has a misperception of what love is. She has a misperception of how, um, or let's say, what type of love she really wants. And, and if you look at those three misperceptions, they all kind of feed on each other. So one perpetuates the other. And so she sees this as a blockage. But in actuality, these are just um, concepts that are... Um, let's say, uh, inaccurate, both about herself, about others, and about how she has seen love. Um, so when she goes to create it, when she goes to manifest it, she's doing so from these misperceptions, as opposed to creating love, manifesting love from a clear understanding of what love actually is how it would work best for her, what kind is most suited to her and to her personality and to where she is evolving to as a soul and as a person on this planet. So um, I would invite her to give me a call or to speak to me through you if um, she does not necessarily speak English, and I would be happy uh, to help her with this um, equation at any point in time. But tell her that it's, it's how she looks at all of this and then creates um, or manifests love from that place of desire. Okay? And, and she wrote, it is true, I have not ever been in love. Yep. Yep. She is still trying to work all of this out. It's one of the things that I know that she's here to do. If I had her chart in front of me, I could definitely say that for sure. But, um, you know, I also can say that from a psychic standpoint, she's still really trying to create a relationship with herself. And that's one of the big things she's here to do this lifetime. And that's why love is coming secondary. So I hope that helps clear it up for her. And then can let's I get back to – oh, I'm sorry. How can she contact you directly? Um, through my website, www.b as in body, m as in mind, s as in spirit, progression.com. That's the easiest way. She can email me right off of the contact there, and I can uh, speak with her that way and set it up. Thank you, Sad. Thank you. All right, so from now that we've learned about the nadis, basically, in concept, and we have started to kind of see that there are three main nadis, I want to talk a little bit about them before we get into the chakra system specifically. So the three main nadis, you have the ida, the pingala, or pingali, and the sushimna. The sushimna is being the main one, and this is the one through which the kundalini energy flows. So it's really important to understand some of these and how they come together. The ida is very feminine in nature. Let's say it's on the left side of the body, but it crosses over the meridian of the body, the center of the body. It crosses over the spine many times, several times, at each juncture of the chakras. And now you can understand why, because it is part of what comprises each chakra. So as the feminine line of the body, it brings us deeper into our compassion, into our love, into our understanding, into the whole right brain concepts, into the psychic awareness, into the feelings, the intuitions, all of the understandings that can come that come not from that logical standpoint, but from those flashes of insight and intuition, inspiration that kind of puts all of these logical thoughts together. On the right side, we have the Pingala. And the Pingala 
is this masculine energy. It's the line of energy, the nadi, through which we create. It's not external, whereas the ida is more of the internal. It brings things in. The pingala pushes things out or sends things out. It's how we manifest. It's the energy that creates full comprehension and then the ability to express that comprehension, just to give you an idea. It, it is that left brain, the logical, the sequential, the linear, the one plus one equals two type of thing. Um, and so that also crosses over the meridian, which is the central portion of the body or the spine or the kundalini. It also crosses and intersects with each of the main seven, or I should say nine chakras, because um, that's the system I mostly work with. And then we have the sushumna. And if you break that down, um, these are Sanskrit words, by the way. If you break that down into the three syllables, sushumna, it's joy, joyous, and mind, which is interesting, joyous mind. Most concepts of the kundalini rising not necessarily so joyous so <laughs> it's fascinating that this energy that is so highly coveted like the kundalini runs through a, a energy a naughty line um, an energy line that talks about being so joyous and and yet brings the mind into it and part of this is because we're marrying the id and the pingala. We're putting them together. So we're bringing that joy that comes intuitively, that comes naturally. You know, every child is pretty much joyous, unless they're colicky, got to say that, you know. Um, but they, they inherently by nature are joyous. And that childlike nature of just being open and free and, and you know, experiencing what comes with this, wonder and this joy of the child of the feminine gets married with the masculine that hammers things away or that you know puts things into its proper place or that manifests that's so strong and and um you know protective uh and and then we have this line called the sushimna that runs up the center that joins these guys together and then also is the main channel for the kundalini to run through, um, which I haven't yet really spoken much about, the kundalini. So you can start to see how all of these lines of energy create like a map, an energetic system. Um, there was an illustrator back in the late 90s and early 2000s, and God, I, I can't pull up his name, but he always drew people from the standpoint, his art was all centered around the standpoint of these lines of light. Um, and it really looked kind of funky, but what a great depiction of us in our energetic forms without the physical body, let's say, um, to hide that, all of the muscles and the bones and all of that, to, to kind of hide that. So now let's look a little bit at this concept of the kundalini. So Chassie? let's say this is the yes. Oh, she hung up. Oh no, here she is. Oh no, she hung up. Sorry. So let's continue. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to bring up. So when you when you speak with the kundalini, I was I wanted to ask you something. When I first heard of the kundalini. I, it was probably in my youth, and I remember it was like this forbidden energy because it was very sexualized. I, I did remember feeling care of it because people would say that when you had a Kundalini awakening, that these things would happen to you. You would lose consciousness at, at the same time. You would experience this joy. And I don't know, it was almost like you were on drugs to me. So I'm glad that you're taking the opportunity to clarify a little bit about this topic. 
Well, yay, I'm glad too. Um, there's a lot of misperception out there in general, um, but a lot has been written on, on, especially from the East Indian perspective, on the Kundalini. And, you know, that's mainly where my source comes from, being um, uh, having a tantric background and a yogic background. Um, so let's just look at this in a real succinct definition. It is the divine energy or the divine, the flow of divine energy, the flow of divine force in the physical body. Now, I can understand how, um, Claudia, you might have experienced the notion of drugs being attributed to it um, from all of the different writings. But if you look at it from this definition that I just gave it of divine force, doesn't that kind of like take a lot of that away, that flow of divine energy in the body? It takes that concept of the wild craziness um, and, and puts it into a place that's almost comforting. Like it's comforting to me to have this sense of, the divine energy, the divine flow, divine nature, divine whatever, shakti, flowing through my body, divine prana, and or through my being. And I think that this is a perfect segue in how I can answer your question. The purpose of the chakras is to take all of this energy that flows through your body and to work it out, to purify it, to make it um, the highest and the best possible expression of you as you possibly can because it is an expression of you. All of this energy that I'm speaking of is you. It's your energy. It's how you manifest and how you manifest on these seven levels of consciousness back to the maps that Liz Simpson was speaking of. So in these seven ways, or in like mind system, the nine ways of, of expressing self or understanding self or seeing the world through these seven chakras. So let's just take one of them to make an example. Let's say that in your second chakra, you have all of this desire for wildness in your life, for uh, fun, wild, crazy experiences, for that kind of a rave type of, of um, world, lifestyle, right? There are people out there that live that way. They go from rave to rave to rave, and they just are having a wonderful, fun time. That's very feeding to the second chakra because it stirs everything up. It makes them feel alive, but alive from perhaps a less stable point because that's not going to be something they're going to be able to sustain forever. They can only do that for a while and then either they burn out and sometimes pass away from it or they have to move on to something else because it's really just not a sustainable lifestyle, right? So, Similarly, we can't spend all of our lives in the second chakra, desiring, 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 um, hoping, wishing, creating, living in that emotion. All of these things express the second chakra. So when you say to me that, you know, you've read so much about the kundalini and it's all of this wildness, I would say perhaps the individual who wrote about it experienced it that way because that was the main chakra that he was experiencing or she was experiencing the kundalini energy through. Now you can start to see that it doesn't have to be that way. If you have a blockage in a specific chakra, the kundalini's job is to help to dispel that blockage or to dispel that cluster of energy that is preventing pure pranic or pure shakti flow, the pure flow of divine energy. So that's one of its jobs is to kind of um, push through it, burn it out, 
granite. I mean, it can come in many different forms, right? Or just move through it gently, depending on if you, as a conscious being, has have done your work in that chakra. So I hope this is starting to make sense. You're going to experience kundalini awakening per who you are. And that makes perfect sense if you think about it. All of your hopes and your dreams and your fears and whatnot. You know, everything that you have not reconciled, everything that you have not integrated and brought to a place of balance, kundalini is going to show what work is still left to do. Does that make sense? And then I would be right to think that actually kundalini is experienced many times in your life and not just once? Absolutely. Now you're on to something, sweetheart. What a wonderful leap of insight. Your Ida, little naughty line of the Ida that governs insight, must be firing. So, uh, so here we have a, a real glimpse of Kundalini. And, and I want to say this in a couple of different ways. Again, everything that an individual experiences is created specifically for that individual, for who that individual is on every single level, on every part of their being. So from that standpoint, if you've done a lot of work, it's going to come more gentle. It's going to maybe rise a little bit at a time here and there, maybe sporadically, or maybe it'll rise one chakra to the next chakra in um, a partial form. Let's say it could rise from chakra A to chakra B uh, in 100% full force of its form, which I probably would not recommend wanting <laughs> um, because that full force, I mean, you want to think of a light bulb. Think of how um, sensitive a light bulb is and how fragile a light bulb is. So do you mm -hmm. want to send the full force of all the nuclear energy that exists through that puppy, probably not so much, right? Um, and I'm, I'm equating the kundalini here with nuclear energy because I want to show its power. Um, it is divine in nature, so it's going to be extremely powerful. But it doesn't have to go through and burn you up. It doesn't have to pound away at you. It depends on the work that you have done in yourself, uh, psychologically, mentally, spiritually, esoterically, um, psychically. It depends on a myriad of things. And let's kind of talk about that for a moment really quick. Um, working with prana. I work with prana every day in my meditations, and it has changed my life. Um, meditating every day, doing yoga or mantra or prayer or energy work of some nature. Working with the marmas, which are the smaller forms of the chakras that I mentioned. Um, working with the chakras themselves, working with the kundalini, doing breath exercises, um, self-control, working with self-discipline. Yes, working with sex or restraining yourself from sex, but doing it all for a purpose, um, working with specific purification techniques. All of these things, you don't have to do all of them. You can pick one um, and work with it and see how it changes your life, see how it changes and transforms you into maybe a more clear, a more balanced, a more well-rounded individual, um, which is what kundalini also does. But it also runs that divine energy, that shakti, that pureness of the soul through your physical body. And how that might uh, change things for you physically. Just that concept of having that divine energy flows through the body it's amazing and that's all that's what kundalini is and the kundalini running through the sushumna that line that naughty line is completely made for that 
It's specifically designed to hold that. So you're given the opportunity to have it go well. And it all depends on, you know, what you do and how you govern your life. Are you just self-disciplined or not? So um, hopefully that helps you understand that it doesn't necessarily have to be positive or negative. It's ultimately <laughs> positive. It doesn't have to manifest in a negative way is what I'm trying to say, nor bring in these wild pseudo-psychedelic experiences uh, that you might get with drugs or stuff like that. Are there and any questions Stephanie, out there also? I, yeah, there's a question. When you are a healer or working as a healer, do you work with the Kundalini energy? That's the energy that you work with your clients, or is it something different? That is a fabulous question. Um, there are Kundalini practitioners out there, and they specifically work with the Kundalini of the recipient. Now, I understand that what you're also asking is, do they use their own Kundalini energy? So here I would say that there may be some out there that do. Um, I, would, I would probably generalize it and say they work with their divine energy, their divine nature. But I would also say that they're working with their Shakti their prana more so than anything else. And when you study prana or the life force energy, and when I put it on those terms, it makes perfect sense, right? You have this life force energy that flows you. And going back to Star Wars, you can send that energy out into the world. You can see how it is interconnected between the different rocks and the trees and the people or the dogs and the animals or the air or what have you. Light in and of itself is prana. So as this moves through you and you learn how to work with prana in yourself, you then become a better healer because you are able to allow that life force energy to not just flow through you but also to flow from you and to help to get the prana or the life force energy in the recipient to flow, and that's the key. That's what healers are really actually doing. They're getting that pranic energy, that life force energy, to flow in places that it was previously not flowing or had got stuck. Make sense? So then you're saying that you either work with prana or you either work with the kundalini. They are actually two different types of energy that are because it's it's do are they in a different dimension or are they working at the same dimension but different venue? Well, that's why I started speaking about prana, and that's a great question too. Um, prana is kundalini energy, but let's okay. say it's in a form that is more readily accessible, more easily integrated into the whole system. And let's say that its power level can be dialed up or dialed down. Kundalini comes as it is. You can do things to dial it up or dial it down, like self-discipline or any of the purification practices um, or, or mantra or, you know, yoga, meditation. That will dial it down or up, but mainly it makes the path of Kundalini smoother. Uh -huh. So I want you to think of them as the same thing, but you want to think of Kundalini as like all prana, all of the prana, and prana uh -huh. at its highest dial, at its highest level. Whereas prana in and of itself, life force energy in and of itself, usually comes more comfortingly, more naturally, um, more easily. There are a lot of people out in the world that will actually think, um, just as a side note, that they're having kundalini rising, and in actuality, it's pranic movement. And it depends, because if they feel it in the belly, or they feel this fluttering in the heart, most likely that's prana energy moving. It's not necessarily the full force of prana, which we know of as kundalini. That usually runs literally up or down the spine. And most folks don't realize that either. 
most folks have the the linear not, uh, concept of kundalini running in one direction from the bottom to the top. And that's simply not all of the picture. It is part of the picture, but kundalini also flows from the top down. And I would invite people to think of that what is mostly termed the eighth chakra, although I don't see it that way. Um, to me, it's the ninth chakra, um, the one that is situated above the crown chakra, above the head. As um, most people call it the star chakra, um, but it's the, let's say, the seed or the root of the higher self. Uh-huh. And think about it. Your divine energy is going to flow through your higher self, isn't it? Uh-huh. So why should it only come up from the root of your spine? Wouldn't it make sense that it's going to come from both directions? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I do believe it. there's no really a set way. It can come anyway. Correct. And sometimes you'll feel it coming through your chakras, and you'll get that fluttering of the heart. But here I'm going to designate it as more pranic movement because it's localized. It's, it's, it's in a specific area. Kundalini can also be localized, but usually it has more energy behind it. So if you feel Kundalini at the heart, you're going to feel it all the way from the base of the spine to and through the heart. Mm -hmm. Or from that eighth chakra, that higher self, down to the heart. Does that make sense? It'll be the whole thing instead of just a piece. Yes. It'll be more whole. So as you can tell, Ms. Claudia, this is an enormous subject. And I know that I've tackled it in an hour's time. (laughs) And I know that some people out there, their eyes are rolling and their mind is spinning. And I get that, and that's wonderful. I hope that what it does is it spins them up so much that they want to learn more about all of these things. Because really, we've not necessarily spoken too much about the chakras. I know we're running out of time, but just briefly, you have seven chakras in the body. You have the root chakra at the base of the spine, which is typically seen as red. You have the second chakra at the belly, which is typically seen as orange. The third at the diaphragm, which is right below the ribs. Um, And that's typically seen as yellow. The one at the heart, which is the fourth chakra, that bridges all of them. Um, And that's typically seen as green. So here we have that rainbow you were speaking of, right? At Uh the throat chakra, it's baby blue. At the third eye, at the forehead, you have a deeper indigo blue. And then at the crown, you have some folks say it's magenta in color, some folks say it's um, purple. And I want to speak to that for just a moment because just like the woman that called and said all of the chakras go to the right except for one goes to the left, um, every individual is different. And how you evolve makes colors shift and change. For example, my heart chakra has not been green for a very long time. It's white. And in actuality, there are what I would term gold specks in it. Um, and, you know, so the, the, the different chakras and the colors and their manifestations are going to evolve as you evolve. So these are basic understandings of the chakra system, but they don't necessarily or I should say they should not be held to those things specifically. They should be allowed to grow and change and move and shift as you grow and change and move and shift, as your kundalini rises and descends, as your um, conscious awareness awakens and blossoms in you. So your chakras are going to awaken and blossom in you. And sometimes they're going to move and sometimes not so much. Sometimes they're going to look muddied and sometimes they're going to be brilliant and, and shine brilliantly. And all of this is reflective of where you are. So when you really start studying your chakras, you realize it's a study into you. It's a study of yourself. And it's a study of what you are like a snapshot of you in that moment in time. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it does. And, and you know, I would go a little bit um, more into that. And what you just said is that I do believe that as humanity, our history, everything resembles everything. So our history has, we have gone through the chakras of the world. To me, I really believe that right now we are in the fifth dimension or fifth chakra where if you think about it, this is the time when we are voicing ourselves. We are saying a lot of things that we weren't able to say before, and we are expressing and bringing a lot of information that wasn't there before. And I, I, I love that we are alive in this, in this time, because uh, the chakras and being able to work with them and to understand them, I think it's a gift that we all have. I agree wholeheartedly, and I want to expound on what you said for a second because I love what you talked about, the chakras of the earth. We do know there are chakras of the earth also. If it has knotty lines and ley lines like we do, obviously it's going to have little marma points, little baby chakras, and it's going to have the full-fledged chakras. So that's something to chew upon for some of our listeners. But also I want to say to you, you're so right. We are in a time of birthing ourselves and birthing ourselves like we never have before. And it's interesting because the lighter some of us become, the darker others seem to be becoming. And it's not so much that this really is happening as some of those darknesses that are stubborn, that are just not willing to shift, are being brought into the light. Think about it. The more a light shines, the deeper the shadow gets. So we are literally birthing ourselves like we have never done before. And for those of you out there that are so worried that the world is coming to an end, don't worry about that. Don't even give that power. Give the power, the energy of your focus to birthing yourself, to becoming the very best that you can possibly be, to learning as much about yourself as you possibly can, to integrating all of these systems and coming to understand yourself on a whole level, on a divine level, because that's what all of this is about. And then let everything take care of itself how it's supposed to take care of itself in response, as you say, to this reflection outside, because it's always as above, so below, as within, so without. So as we see this reflection taking place, it's that questioning again. Are we as an individual going to rise to our highest potential and to harness our divine natures and our divine right, our birthright, and be who we really are meant to be? And are we going to do that on a race as a society, as a race of humans, not racially as is so tossed around today, but as the human race? as one being, are we going to do that also? And now is the time to stand up and to embrace all that we can possibly be and let the universe, let, let God d- decide, God goddess decide how that reflection needs to come. Don't even worry about end of the world or not end of the world. That's nonsense. It doesn't matter. What matters is what you do today how you live, who you perceive yourself as being, and allowing yourself to become the best that you can. And in that, we change the world. And I think I'm going to conclude on that, especially since we're running a few minutes over. How does that feel, Miss Claudia? It feels wonderful. And thank you. That was the best <laughs> ending for today's show. So I want to thank you for being here, for bringing this topic of importance and now share, 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 and everybody listen to it. Share it with your friends. Sati, thank you so much. So Sati's coming back. Uh, let me check it out, but I believe it's in October. Yep. Yes, October fourth. And it's going to be another topic of interest. So put it on your calendars. Thank you again for Actually, being with us. Miss Claudia, if I may interrupt for two seconds. I think I'm doing yes. a full transpaneling on that day. I think that's what we discussed was that I would be doing a full transpaneling that day. So that'll be interesting in and of itself. 
It would be awesome. So yeah, we'll start announcing that. So a full trans channeling. And again, thank you for being here and have a wonderful rest of the week. Thank you so much, Miss Claudia. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.